In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is in cooperation with CINDA. And CINDA is a nonprofit organization in Europe supporting small and medium businesses and helping them get digital. Now, if you'd like to learn more about CINDA, you can go to www.cinda.org. And CINDA brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. But they just don't bring you thought leaders. They also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transitions, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your career. So listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we are on every major podcast platform. You can find us on every platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify. So listen to us after 3 p.m. on Tuesdays, or if you can make it live, then listen to us live. Now, I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and your insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Let me know what kind of subjects you want to hear on this podcast. And if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. And today we're definitely going to take away something useful. I don't know about you guys, my listeners, but writing speech for me, speeches has always been a horror. I mean, I think about it. I stare at the screen of my computer for hours and hours before I even get one word typed. I mean, speeches are really hard to write. It's hard to sum up all the information you want to communicate and convey it in a clear manner. And also listening to speeches sometimes can be a torture if they're not good. I remember on university, I remember lectures I attended that bored me to death and I had others that I wished would never stop. And also in the corporate world, we've heard from CEOs who can inspire entire companies and organizations and others that deliver a speech and we know that everybody is just sitting there multitasking and not listening. So why are some speeches good and others make you want to put your earphones in and put up the volume? So that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk with an expert in this area. Elaine Bennett's name may sound familiar because she's an award-winning speechwriter, but definitely not the lady from Seinfeld whose last name was Bennett. 
And Elaine is a strategic messaging consultant advising clients from Fortune 50 CEOs to entrepreneurs on their messaging. She creates and delivers trainings on how to improve the writing of everything from internal communication to speeches. Her 2019 TED Talk tackles the topic of how language can change the world. She began her career on Wall Street 25 years ago as a speech writer for the CEO of Salomon Brothers. Now, when the scandal forced the executive to resign, Warren Buffett stepped in as interim CEO and Elaine's newest client. Now, Mr. Buffett offered Elaine one of the highest compliments. He said to her, you have a terrific ear and you turn straight thinking into straight writing. And that's what she's been doing ever since. She's been meddling in the mind of business people with the sensibility of an outsider to help them tell complex stories in a sophisticated and relatable way. And somebody said to her, one of her clients, that Elaine is the Obi-Wan of speech writing. So, Elaine, welcome to the show. Hi, Kimberly. Thanks for having me. So, Elaine, um, before I get into some questions about speech writing, just curious, how did you start in this? I mean, <laughs> when you were in school or university, did you say, I always want to write, write and communicate? I was working at Solomon Brothers. I had a it was a it was a temporary job. It was not a full time job. And uh, I was in the corporate communications department and they kept trying to hire me full time. And I kept saying no, because I was a theater major in college and I did not ever see myself working on Wall Street. And then one day they came to me and they said, our CEO is going to go out and do some public speaking. He needs a speechwriter. Do you know how to write a speech? And I thought two things at that point. I thought, one, nobody's ever going to ask me that question again. I mean, mm -hmm. our CEO needs a speechwriter. Do you, you know? And uh, two, I thought, well, I have a one semester playwriting class in college and the monologues are sort of like speeches. So I said, sure, I know how to write a speech. And just like that, I was a speechwriter and I turned out to be pretty good at it. And so I kept I kept doing it. Uh, but it's you know, I think that if you ask any speechwriter that question, you're very, very likely to get a story like this. Uh, I know that they teach things like speech writing in, in communications classes, but but very few of us took a straightforward route to becoming speech writers. Um, it's. Um, but if you think about it, Elaine, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, playwriting and speech writing, I mean, they, they kind of go together, you know, and um, if you're good at one, then I'm, I'm sure it's you can, you can learn yourself into the other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't know anything about Wall Street, so they had a they had an executive work with me on the content. But my boss was uh, farsighted enough to realize that you can teach somebody about Wall Street, but you can't necessarily teach somebody how to write a great sentence. Yeah. So I was fortunate. Yeah, that's great. So I, I have to ask the Warren Buffett uh, question. Okay, so so, you know, I mean, ha, when you think about him, he he does have a lot of content in whatever he says. Okay, yes. and um, and so how was it working from him? And did, is there anything you learned from him that oh. you use today? Yeah. So you know, he was our largest shareholder, and so we had. Uh, 
a complete set of his annual reports in the office. And so whenever I had a minute, I would dive into one of those annual reports and read it, not ever thinking that I would work for him, but just that, you know, he was considered a really good business writer and I wanted to be a really good business writer too. So I read his annual reports and then, you know, catastrophe struck and he became our interim speech, our interim CEO over the weekend. And I was sitting in a press conference on Sunday, listening to him talk and taking notes. And somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, we need you to go upstairs and write something. So I went upstairs to my office and I wrote a letter to our clients basically saying, oops, and it won't happen again. And but, you know, it was before email. So Mm -hmm. it was a little more than 25 years ago. And and. So I didn't know who was going to be reviewing this thing because basically everybody above my boss had been fired. So I wrote my name at the top and my office phone number. And the next day my phone rang and this voice said, Lang, this is Warren Buffett. Like, hello, sir. (laughs) He said, did you write this thing? I said, yes, sir, I did. And he said, it sounds like I wrote it. And I said, well, sir, that's my job. And um, and it was a great relationship since then. I learned a ton from him about about the power of honesty, not just, you know, to be honest in your business dealings, but but and not just just sort of it's not a cultural. Well, I guess it is a cultural thing that pervades the whole organization. So you're honest in your business business strategy in the way you execute that strategy and then and then everything everything works mm-hmm. and, and so and, i am uh, sorry i am not no. a spinner if you want to learn how to spin you i am not the person to come to because i believe in um i believe in telling the truth actually do i have time for one more quick story sure, sure so, of course. so uh at some point um I got a call from a from a ad agency that had a client they wanted me to write an annual report for. It was all very hush-hush and secret. And um, I came in and it turned out it was Enron. And it was Enron in the last year of its existence. And they mm-hmm. wanted me to write that annual report. And so I did some research and I, you know, the whole story hadn't come out yet. But I, but I came back to them and I said, you know, I think, uh, I think it looks like they're trying to keep some losses off the books. And the guy at the ad agency, just all of the blood drained from his face. And he said, well, that would be bad, wouldn't it? I said, yes, that would be bad. So they tasked me to go away and come back with three concepts for the annual report. And I did that. And I gave them to him. And I said, look, none of these are going to work. If you are not absolutely a hundred percent upfront and honest about what happened, mm-hmm. and they sent it yeah. down to Houston, and I got a call about a week later saying, "Thank you very much. We won't be needing you anymore." <laughs> <laughs> that's a, well, that's a good story, and you know that that's a question, uh, Elaine, for me. Um, people have a tendency to muddy their communication. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's what you said, avoiding not wanting what to say or not being honest, or it's that they just, just, um, you know, don't know how to address things. Okay. What do you see that a lot and how do you address that with clients or people? Well, 
Um, I just point out what what happens when you tell the truth or muddy things and what happens when you don't. Early on in my career, post Solomon Brothers, I wrote I was hired to write for another company that was having some some uh, ethical issues. And I wrote their annual report and I, I, I was very upfront in the very first paragraph, you know, I, I don't remember the exact words, but it was basically some things happened that shouldn't have happened and, you know, we're, we're handling it. And I got back the draft and it was, it, it had been sort of, the edges had been softened, the wording had been, had been obfuscated a little bit. And I let that stand because I was mm-hmm. young. And mm-hmm. later, the New York Times did an, a roundup of annual reports from that year that had bad news to tell and told it well. And our annual report was in it, except they marked us down for having having softened that first paragraph. And I called my client and I said, did you see the, the New York Times article? And he says, yeah, I never should have. I never should have softened that. I was afraid to send it to the CEO like that. So I did it. Mm. Yeah. And, and isn't that isn't that kind of sometimes what we do as professionals also, if you're if you're, you know, writing and trying to to, to help them break the news easy. But what you're saying is it's better just get it out there and be honest. Absolutely. The, 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 the big mistakes happen when you've got some staffer in between you and the ultimate mm-hmm. decision maker and they, they get cold feet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Elaine, we're going to, we're going to take a, a short break. And when we come back, I want to I want to talk a little bit about culture, and then I really want to dive into a subject that is quite is talked a lot about today and is quite controversial in some countries around the world, and that's the the neutrality of words. Okay, because we're in a we're in a society today who's paying attention. So and it does kind of relate to my couple of questions on culture. So we're going to take a short break, and for our listeners, we. We are talking to Elaine Bennett, and she's a strategic messaging consultant advising clients from Fortune 50 CEOs to entrepreneurs on their messaging. She creates and delivers trainings on how to improve the writing of everything from internal communications to speeches. And her 2019 TED Talk tackles the topic of how language can change the world. Now, if you'd like to reach out to Elaine, you can reach out to her on her website, which is bennettinc.com, and on Twitter, which is bizspeechwriter, on Facebook, which is Bennett Inc., and she is on LinkedIn also under Bennett Inc. So please reach out to her. She has great advice and possibly could help you in your speech writing and your communication. And this show is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda holds virtual training conferences, market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. And if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org. And Cinda will be holding its first live conference in October 2021 in Berlin. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about writing, communication, and speech writing. And we're talking with Elaine Bennett, and she's a strategic messaging consultant advising clients from Fortune 50 CEOs to entrepreneurs about their messaging. She's also delivers training on how to improve the writing from everything from internal communications to speech speeches and her 2019 TED talk tackles the topic of how language can change the world. And Elaine, I want to going to talk about that in a minute, but I do, I, I kind of have a hot question for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has to do with tone. Okay. And I, I live in Europe, but one of the things I see when I see peach speeches in the United States um, they seem to be more animated and I, I don't want to say happy, but kind of like uplifting, positive rather than as direct as I see them in Europe. Um, an example you might see, I mean, this is exa- exaggerated examples when the pandemic started, what, you know, and a miracle of Germany, her direct messages compared to kind of the positively the positivity of some of the message in the US um, you know Trump was one that was kind of more positive on it but but generally my question is are there cultural differences in this kind of communication well yeah there are always cultural differences in communication and that's um, that's especially challenging if you are writing for a, a wide, audience, uh, a multicultural audience, like, uh, but, but, you know, you need to be true to who you are and who your people are. So somebody like Angela Merkel, um, well, let me, let me put it this way. There are two ways to persuade people or, or educate people. One is direct to say, for instance, if we're talking about the pandemic, uh, excuse me, but if you don't take your get your get your immunization, you're all going to die, mm-hmm. um, and your families will die if you know if they're around unimmunized people. So it's it's to our benefit to everybody everybody do this, um, and the other way is to be more positive. The, the thought is, I think, that if you present something in a negative way, then people are going to assume that, you know, the world is coming to an end and nothing I do will help. Mm-hmm. But if you say, you know, we're working on a vaccine or we have a vaccine and if we all pull together, we can eradicate it, um, it might sound a little happy talky to someone mm-hmm. else, but but if people think that there is something that they can do, some action that they can take that will have positive results, um, that's one way to motivate them to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's room for both kinds of communications. 
Um, but I think generally in the United States, the the positive spin is gonna is gonna work better for the vast number of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's interesting, and and you're right. It seems like probably the most impactful would be the combination of both. Yeah. Um, which I which I think we're seeing a lot in 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 good messages. You do see that combination, um, but it, it always. I think you're what you said that really hit me was you have to think about the audience you're talking to. So, yeah. um, you know, what's going to what's going to, you know, land on them okay, yeah. and make them under, might make them motivate to do something. So thank you on that. Um, I would I would like to move on to the subject of um, the neutrality of words. OK. And, um, you know, there's humankind instead of mankind. Um, first-year student, kind of freshman. Right, right. Um, you know what's happening? The development of gender-neutral in English. You know how is this developing, and why is this important? Well, it's important because we are because it's it's important to address people the way they want to be addressed. And if you're, you know, you know, as as a woman who's grown up in a world where where the the gender neutral default has always been men, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that you you have to do some mental gymnastics when you hear, you know, let all men go forth in this time and place. You know, oh oh, they mean me too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you want to avoid the mental gymnastics in your listener or your reader because that distances them from the message. We were just talking about if the, the, the vaccination stuff, if a leader came out and said, every man in this country needs to be vaccinated. Yeah. All the women are going to go, what? And mm-hmm. also, you know, there's a there's a spectrum. Gender is a spectrum. We are now coming to understand. So not everyone identifies as either a man or a woman. There is a range of options in between, and and so you want to be respectful of that. Um, you know, one of the um, one of the things that's really interesting to me about European languages is that so many of them are gendered languages mm-hmm. so how do you how do you speak in a non-gendered way when your your language assigns female or male identifiers to every single noun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah keep going please <laughs> no that's i mean i i'm fascinated you you live in europe i don't know how how that works but um but you know it's 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 hard some sometimes it's it's really easy to revert to the language we grew up with to revert to the language that we have spoken all our lives and when i first um was talking to a friend of mine about this several years ago and and uh, Caitlyn Jenner had just come out as transgender and mm-hmm. announced her new name and my friend said well you know, whenever I'm going to still refer to Caitlyn Jenner as the father of the children that that she fathered because that was her biological role. And there's just not another word for it. And I took a beat and I said, um, parent. Mm-hmm. So yep. 
you know, people want to people want to revert to what's easy, and I understand that. Lord knows, there's enough hard stuff in this world that um, let's go for ease whenever we can grab it. But but it's not easy if it uh, it's not it might be easy for you, but it might be very very difficult for someone you're talking to or about, and it's not accurate. Mm-hmm. And Elaine, in, in in working with clients and writing speeches now, and we'll just stay with English for a minute. Um, how how do you see this developing? Okay, I mean, you, you're right. You know, if somebody sends upset, every man every man get vaccinated. You know, I would go, what the heck is he talking about? Okay, <laughs> but I mean, on the other hand, there's those little tiny idiosyncrasies. Okay, those those slight things. Um, and it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, how do you see, as you're writing speeches, is this developing to more of a neutral language in English? I'm talking about. Yeah. As you go along, are people more aware of this now? People are definitely aware of it now. Uh, most of the large businesses that I write for or that I interact with, um, when you get on a, a Zoom call, you will see everybody's got pronouns in their in their identifier, mm-hmm. um, and and you know some people have said to me, why should I why should I put a pronoun in my identifier when I'm a cisgendered person and everybody can see that? Yeah. And my response is because if the only people Putting pronouns in their in their identifiers are people who are you know non-binary or or transgender. They stand out, mm-hmm. and and we all need to we all need to you know go in there and um, you know it's like I am Spartacus, right? The famous movie scene yeah. <laughs> where they're looking to punish Spartacus, and everybody in the in the place stands up and says, "I am Spartacus." So we all have to be Spartacus for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and and it does, you know. It, uh, just to comment on the on the the European, I mean, it is quite controversial here, not because of the idea, but because of the administrative work or logistics that has to go into it. You know, I mean, there are some languages like Persian and Chinese that are pretty general neutral, but you have German, Spanish, Italian, okay, French, yeah, um, yeah, French, okay. I mean, you know, der die das, every, everything, and I live in Germany, every, you know, every object has a gender, okay? Yeah, yeah. And, and you're not, and you're not going to change, you know, thousands of years of language overnight. Right. So I think, yeah, I, I think, I think what's going on here is they're, they're focusing on the, the critical, more offensive words that right. could lead to something and that's where they're focusing but it's it's quite controversial so it's interesting to watch what is also going on in English well thank you for addressing that because I, I think that's quite important um, let, let me move on for a minute if you're if you're listening to a speech okay um, what are, what is some of the triggers? that you hear, that you say, I mean, I know when I hear a good one, I know when I hear a bad one, okay? Yeah. But I, I, I wouldn't, I don't know what triggers me from thinking it's good or bad, okay? Okay, do you, okay. Do you, have, do you have some triggers? Yeah, so my, my, my biggest uh, pet peeve and the first thing I tell all of my clients is uh, the speaker who gets up and, say, and starts thanking people. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you stand at the lectern and you say, 
I want to thank Susie and John and everybody. And and it's just this long list of names. And and think about how you have felt when you've been in a situation in an audience and somebody does that. Unless you know that your name is going to be one of those names that gets thanked, you're you're going to tune out. You're going to pull your phone out underneath the table and start multitasking. And the speaker has lost you. And once you lose the audience, it's you have to work really, really hard to get them back. Mm. So what you want to do as a speaker is grab the audience the minute you the minute you start talking. And of course, you know there are going to be there's going to be a need to thank people. But what what I advise is that you thank people in the context of the speech, right? So you're giving a giving a talk, say, at a, at a, a fundraising banquet, right? And you want to thank the executive director of the organization. But don't just say, I want to thank Kimberly for all her hard work. Say, I want to thank Kimberly because she's the person behind this program that is saving thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the first thing. And the other thing is, I was at a conference once and they had sponsors. Of course, conferences have sponsors. We okay. love sponsors, right? Right. Um, <laughs> but... Um, but so so if they had four sponsors and and everybody got to send a send an executive up to talk to the conference and the first person said you know my my organization really values this this uh, the work that this conference is doing and that's why we're glad to support it and the second person said we're glad to support this because my organization really values the work and i was like oh my god didn't anybody figure out what was going to be happening here and the third person said the same thing and then the fourth person said the issues that you all work with are really important to me because it's personal for this reason and he told a story and then he said and that's why i am so grateful to work for my company and so grateful that we're sponsoring this conference and i wanted to give the man a standing ovation <laughs> so don't just you know think about where you're going to be speaking what context you're going to be speaking in you know hopefully you have a staffer who can who can do that pre-work for you and then don't find something personal to relate to because people want to hear stories people want to i'm sure we'll talk about that later yeah. but people people want to hear about you personally they really want to know what's going on with you not you know that your company supports mom and apple pie Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that that makes sense a lot, and I, I've heard those uh, sponsors getting up there ten times. Oh, I was at a conference; they had twenty of them. It was Oof. it was tough. Okay, so yeah. um, uh, Elaine, we're going to take another break, and when when we come back, I, I really want to go into that. I want to talk, you know, see if we can get some tips for our listeners on, you know, how do you um, get across intent with content? You know, how do you, intensity, you know, how much storytelling is too much and how much is not enough and right. metaphors. Some, right. of, some of these tips on actually, you know, maybe to help us get a little bit better at it, okay? Yep. Um, great. So our listeners, we 
are talking to Elaine Bennett, and Elaine is a strategic messaging consultant advising clients from Fortune 500 CEOs to entrepreneurs on their messaging. She also creates and delivers trainings on how to improve the writing of everything from internal communications to speeches. Her 2019 TED Talk tackles the topic of how language can change the world. And when we get back, Elaine's going to help us improve a little bit on how we speak and maybe write. And if you'd like to get coached by Elaine or have some consulting from her or just learn about her, please go to her website. It's www.bennettinc, and that is ink, I-N-K, as in ink from the pen. And on Twitter, she's at bizspeechwriter. And on Facebook, it's Bennett Inc. Again, I-N-K. And on LinkedIn, she's also at Bennett Inc. And again, once again, that is I-N-K as in the ink from a pen. And you're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And this program is also brought to you by Cinda. Cinda is a nonprofit European association helping SMBs get digital in Europe. And Cindy will be holding his first conference in Berlin, October 10th to 13th. And to learn more about that, please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And today we are talking with Elaine Bennett, and she's a strategic messaging consultant advising clients from Fortune 50 CEOs to entrepreneurs on their messaging. And she also creates and delivers trainings on how to improve the writing of everything from internal communications to speeches. And in 2019, she had a TEDx talk that tackled the topic of how language can change the world. So, Elaine, we've been talking a lot, um, and last week covered this neutral uh, neutral language and communication that we're all trying to become sensitive to and aware of. Yep. Um, and we're all trying to, you know, kind of move in a direction on better communication. So, you know, I... I said in the beginning, I struggle with these things. If I'm writing a speech, um, you know, uh, or if I know that I have to get up and do a speech, what are the some of the things I have to pay attention to when I'm when I'm getting ready to to write a speech or do do a presentation? Well, I wanna I wanna hearken back to something you said in the in your intro of the very first segment, which was mm-hmm. that writing speeches is hard. Mm-hmm. And while as a speechwriter, I love hearing people say that because it means that they will hire me. Mm-hmm. But um, I, as a coach, I want to say that if you approach something thinking that it's hard, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. But if you approach something thinking 
writing speeches is not something I've done before, or it's not something I've done a lot. And when I'm learning a new skill, sometimes there's a learning curve. So, um, you know, my first draft might be terrible, but that doesn't mean that I'm a terrible writer. In fact, for myself, when I'm writing, I know that the first draft is more than more likely than not to be terrible. I mean, having done this for a long time, I generally have a higher percentage of usable stuff in my first draft than somebody else would. But I'm never going to turn in a first draft. That's just not the way the world works. So the first thing is to anticipate that you're going to do more than one draft. Mm-hmm. You're talking when you if you think about, oh, my God, I'm giving a speech and there's going to be 200 people in the audience. How do I talk to 200 people? Well, you can't talk to 200 people. So talk to one person. And I don't mean focus on only on one person in the audience. I mean, when you're thinking about your remarks, when you're writing your your draft, think about one person, hopefully somebody you like. And so imagine that you're telling a story to to somebody you enjoy talking to, somebody who has some familiarity with your business, so you don't have to be at a very basic level, but you but somebody who's not like a PhD level either. So you're you're somewhere in the middle of uh, general interest with with a little familiarity of your business. And one really good way to start is just to open up a, a video recording app on your phone or your computer and just talk to that person and tell them the stories that you would want to tell when you're giving this speech. And then you can get that vid- that audio transcribed and, and you have some stories on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, can yeah. I just quickly run, how, how important is, you know, I think about uh, content and getting a message, like the intent, right. Right. okay? And and to me, in my non non writer brain, okay, um, there's intent of like me sitting down and say, I need to tell them this message, this message, this message, right. and then for me, storytelling means something else, okay. So how can you can you help help untangle my non writer brain on the difference between like intent, the message I want to get across, and storytelling, how I might add to that. Yeah, so so you can you can start if you want because it's the first draft we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You can start at the end with what what your call to action is going to be. What do you want people to take away from this from this speech that you're giving them? Um, and uh, you know, and because I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but I have a lot of clients who come and they're only motivation for giving the speech is that they want it for their resume or they think that it will it will make them look more like a leader when it's time to get promoted. That's the wrong reason to give a speech. The right reason to give a speech is because you have something that you want to share with people. Mm-hmm. You have you have some knowledge you want to share, you have some actions you want them to take. You want to you want them to be different in some way, whether it's quantifiable or not, you want them to be different at the end of your speech than they are at the beginning of your speech. So think about how you want them to walk away and what what you want them to walk away thinking and feeling. And then you've, you've, 
storytelling is it's a delivery it's a delivery mess a delivery system for ideas like um, i love eating corn on the cob in the summer and and many in many ways corn on the cob is just a delivery system for melted butter um so you're you're there's a metaphor right so i just told a little story about why so so you want stories stories are what get your ideas into people's brains think of them as as little tiny train cars you know filled with filled with boxes and the boxes inside are your ideas and the the story is the train that's chugging along and it chugs into people's ears and it and it unloads its uh its cargo um so you know, that's going back to the, the conversation we had earlier about vaccines, right? You don't want to just say everybody needs to va- get vaccinated because otherwise people are going to die. Mm-hmm. You talk about, you know, Susie who lost her grandmother because her grandmother went to a wedding that Susie didn't go to. And, you know, there were only eight mm-hmm. people at the wedding. Everybody thought they were safe, but somehow COVID got in and now granny's dead. Mm-hmm. So, you want to talk, and and President Biden does a beautiful thing where he talks about the empty ta- the empty seats at the dinner table. Yeah, I mean you don't even have to tell a particular story about a particular person. Just set up that image. Everybody can see the empty seat at the dinner table, mm-hmm. and who is missing, and how do you feel about that? Yeah, and you don't want to sort of finish the. You don't want to finish the thought for people. Let them finish the thought in their own mind, right? He doesn't say everybody's sad because there's an empty seat at the dinner table. He just puts the image in our mind, and we can all do with that what we what we will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, very, very good. I'm, I understand what this is going now. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because, because if you're not – you're giving some clarity on the process here and and the the intent. Um, it's very, very helpful. I, I, I do have one question. We're talking about story tales and ideas, and it's kind of a, a pet peeve of myself, okay, uh-huh. that that it bothers me sometimes. Um, and that is comedy, okay, um, in speech. what yeah. What is your comment to that? Yeah. Well, you know, your speech is not um, a Saturday Night Live monologue. It's not a stand-up routine. If you are comfortable, humor is a great way of of connecting with people, right? So I do advise people to use humor in ways that they're comfortable with. And that doesn't mean telling a joke. To me, it means telling a story. Right. Mm -hmm. So my little comment about the corn on the cob being a butter delivery Mm -hmm. system, I believe you chuckled at that. Yes, I did. Um, So so that's the kind of humor you don't need to be guffaw, guffaw, guffaw. Um, One of the one of my favorite TED Talks is the first TED Talk that was given by Brian Stevenson, S-T-E-P-H. Jensen. Um, and he is a, a, an activist and a lawyer who works with uh, people on death row, people, people incarcerated uh, with the death penalty. And that is, there is no more serious job than that. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his TED Talk, he starts out maybe the first 
four minutes or so, he tells a story about his grandmother. And it turns out to be a very funny story. And and I laughed heartily when he got to the to the end of it. Um, and then I was I was like, yes, I like this guy. I want to know what he has to say. And so he was able to take me into the the darker parts of his work. But the story about his grandmother wasn't just a, a random story about his grandmother. It gave us a sense of who he is, mm-hmm. how he was raised, where his values come from. And now he is he is embodying his values in the world. So it 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 flowed into his content. It wasn't just, you know, okay, I told you the story about my grandmother. Now let's talk about death row. Um, so, so you want to make sure every single word in your speech, whether it's humorous or not, every single word needs to, needs to be there for a reason. And the reason it needs to be there is to get people to the end state that you want to get them into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's about. I guess it's just building that relationship early on with the audience and and the people. And Elaine, we're getting we're getting towards the end of the show, so you know, um, some of us can do this maybe and struggle, and some of us can't. So what what can you help? our listeners with if they come to you? Well, I have I have a, a program for people who want to give TEDx talks that helps mm-hmm. work them through creating the idea and uh, finding the stories that work with the idea and all the way through to writing the talk, if that's what they like. Uh, I do work with a very select number of private clients. I don't have a ton of time these days for private clients, but but it is possible. And, uh, you know, you can always just get on my mailing list on my website, bennettinkink.com, and you'll, you'll get my random thought, not so random thoughts, um, when I write mm-hmm. about pieces. Uh, so that's, uh, that's basically yeah. what, what the options okay. are. Okay, so um, in, in closing, Elaine, for I mean, we do have companies listening, uh, pe- you know, uh, people, normal people like me listening who struggle with writing. Um, what what's what's your last kind of closing uh, tip around this whole area of communication writing? Um, if you just had to kind of sum it up and and give me advice, if you're talking to me and giving me advice after the questions I asked you, what would that be? Be open, tell stories, make a difference. Those really. And also for the companies listening, I do do um, workshops for companies uh, if they want to want to get their comps people trained uh, or their or their executives uh, some coaching to coaching and speech writing. So that's another thing I do. Well, Elaine, thank you so much. Um, it's just been it's been really delightful, and uh, I may be reaching out to you. So, okay, yeah, okay. Um, so for our listeners, we've been speaking with Elaine Bennett, 
And Elaine is a strategic messaging consultant advising clients from Fortune 50 CEOs to entrepreneurs on their messaging. She also creates and delivers, as she said, trainings on how to improve the writing of everything from internal communications to speeches. And her 2019 TEDx talk tackles the topic of how language can change the world. So please look at that. And um, Elaine can be reached on her website at www.bennettinc, and that is Inc. as in I-N-K from the pen. And she's also on Facebook under Bennett Inc., I-N-K, and on LinkedIn under Bennett Inc. And on Twitter, you can find her on at BizSpeechWriter. And Elaine, once again, thank you. It's been wonderful. It's been really informative. Um, take care. We, you know, stay safe. And um, I'm going to take your advice today and probably reach out to you. So thank Make you. Make a difference. Thank you. Thank you. And for listeners, this broadcast has also been brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They support small and medium businesses in Europe, and they hold virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. So please go to Cinda at www.cinda.org for more information. And they're also going to be holding their their first live conference since the pandemic. It's scheduled for October 10th to 13th in Berlin. So if you'd like to learn more about that, go to www.cinda.com. And with that, thank you very much for listening this week. Don't forget to tune in next week and tune in live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific. And if you miss us, don't worry. We are on every major podcast platform. And with that, have a great week and take care. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.